Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. We hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Mary, did you know when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God? Oh, Mary, did you know? Oh, oh. the blind will see, the dumb will speak, the praise is on the That your baby boy is Lord of all creation. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to Liquid. I'm Pastor Tim here with Shepherd Corey. Would you give them a big welcome? Corey, I see we have a, a couple of special guests with us today. Two lambs, what are their names? Libby and Sadie, two little lambs to help us bring the Christmas story to life. Can we get the lamb cam here? Here, we got a little bit here for Libby. Oh, look at her. You're a sweet girl. You're a sweet girl. We're going to bring the Christmas story to life today. How many of you know the birth of Jesus Christ, who was called the Lamb of God, was first announced to shepherds who were grazing their flocks of sheep in the fields of Bethlehem? Hey, if you have your Bible, I want to read to you from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And I'm hoping to share a very simple but profound Christmas message I'm calling Mary Had a Little Lamb. When I was a little boy, I learned that nursery rhyme. You probably know it too. All the kids at our campuses, can you help me complete this? Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. Yeah, on Christmas, we read about the lamb here in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. It says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Well, suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Church, I want you to notice the angelic announcement of Jesus' birth was not made to kings or priests, But that news was delivered to regular, ordinary, working-class shepherds. On that cold Christmas night, as shepherds watched their flocks, an angel announced the miraculous news, the great I am has become a little lamb, born as a baby in Bethlehem. Now, I want you to know it's no accident that Jesus was born among the sheep in Bethlehem. 
In fact, this past spring, I led two tour groups from our church to visit. It's a little village about five miles south of Jerusalem. In Bible times, Bethlehem was known for its grain fields running down its slopes. At harvest, shepherds were allowed to bring their sheep who would field on the leftover grain and stubble. And in return, they would fertilize the fields. Now, we don't need to do that today, Corey. We're not going to do that. But don't miss this. God did announce Jesus' birth to kings or priests or prophets. The news came to lowly shepherds. They were the social outcasts of society living out in the fields far removed from power, privilege, or any possession. And so this story begs a simple question. Why in the world did Mary have a little lamb born in Bethlehem? Like why not Jerusalem, the capital city, or Nazareth where Jesus would grow up, or Galilee? Why do the angels say, this will be a sign to you? You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, a feed trough for sheep. I want you to put that question in your pocket because we're going to discover the answer from God's word today. But first, can we thank Shepherd Corey and his lambs? Thank you for coming out, guys. We appreciate you. Now on Christmas, I want you to catch this. The great I am became a little lamb. Now I want you to know something. This is not a simple child story. Your destiny, the destiny of the whole world, is wrapped up in the mystery of Mary's little lamb. If you're going to understand why Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we actually have to time travel. We have to go back and read the full story of the lamb from start to finish. And so this Christmas Eve, I want to tell you the story of the lamb from God's perspective. All the way from Exodus in the Old Testament, all the way to Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Today, I want to teach you three aspects of Mary's little lamb. First, we're going to look at the lamb of prophecy, the predicted lamb in the Old Testament who became the lamb in history, the sacrificial lamb of the New Testament. And then finally, we'll look at the lamb in victory. As we'll see him in Revelation, we'll see Jesus high and lifted up, ruling and reigning one day in heaven. The story of Mary's little lamb in three acts, prophecy, history, and victory. Let's start first with prophecy, the ancient prediction of a lamb who would one day save God's people. If you flip in your Bible back to Exodus chapter 12, I want to give you the context. The Jews, God's chosen people, found themselves not free, but enslaved down in Egypt. They were in bondage, slaves to Pharaoh, the cruel king of Egypt who used the Jews for slave labor. And so God's people are suffering for 400 years, the heavy, painful chains of slavery. They cry out to God, redeem us, set us free. And so God comes up with a rescue plan to deliver his people. And God's plan is wrapped up in a little lamb. Read with me Exodus 12, starting at verse 3. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel when they're gathered together. Tell them that on the 10th day of the month, every man must take a what church? A lamb for those of his father's house, a lamb for each house. And if those in the house are too few to eat a lamb, let him and his nearest neighbor take the right amount for the number of people. Divide the what? The lamb by how much each can eat. So God says, if you want to be free, my people, each of you slaves must pick a lamb for your family. Well, there's a lot of, lot of lambs in Egypt. How do we know which one to pick, God? Listen to God's description. He says, your lamb must be what? Perfect a male lamb, one year old. 
you may take it from the sheep or the goats. I want you to keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then all the people of Israel are to kill it in the evening. Now think about this. The Israelites are slaves in chains for four centuries. And God says, I'm going to rescue you. And what is he going to use to rescue them? Hold your breath, everybody. A lamb. Of all the dumb creatures in God's great creation, the most gentle, meek, mild, the most defenseless animal is a lamb. I want you to think about this. A lamb has no fangs. A lamb has no claws. It can't run fast. It can't fight back. Ain't nobody scared of a lamb. (laughs) It's not very intimidating. In fact, you look at a, a lamb and you might say, it seems to say to you, are you hungry? Eat me. Turn your neighbor and say, eat me. No, don't do that. Are you cold? Cut my wool and make a shirt. A lamb goes to the slaughter without a fight. So catch this. God sees his people suffering. He says, I have a plan. I'm going to use a lamb to rescue my people, which didn't seem like a fair fight with Pharaoh. Because you know what the symbol of Egypt was? It was a serpent, a cobra. I remember going to the King Tut display when it came to New York City and take a look there. We took our kids to see it. The main attraction is the crown that Pharaoh wore. And if you look at the very tippy top of Pharaoh's crown, you see a serpent, a coiled cobra ready to strike. Pharaoh's scepter actually had the same serpent on top of it. And a snake was the symbol of Egypt. So God says, we're going to have a battle for my people. And it's an epic battle between a lamb and a serpent. Fair fight? A seemingly defenseless, gentle, weak, meek, mild, little lamb, and a vicious, venomous, hissing, poisonous serpent. The stakes are set. This is the lamb of prophecy. This is a foreshadowing of the epic battle between Satan and Jesus. The lamb of God prophesied to crush the serpent and take away the sin of the world. Now notice, friends, this is no ordinary lamb according to Exodus. In verse 5, God said, your lamb must be what? Perfect. A male lamb, one year old. In other words, this is a spotless lamb. It could not have a blemish, couldn't have a birthmark, not a pimple. One defect would disqualify it. Your lamb has to be perfect, which represents sinlessness. God says, I'm about to judge the sin of Egypt. But because I love my people so much, God's got a problem. How can he destroy sin and evil without destroying them? His answer is a perfect spotless lamb. See, God can't excuse sin, but he does allow substitutes. Something or someone can take our place to pay the debt that we owe. Instead of pay for sin, the lamb has to be spotless. That is innocent without sin. But look, the lamb of prophecy wasn't just the spotless lamb. It says he was a sacrificed lamb. Verse six says this, keep it until the 14th day of the same months that all the people of Israel are to kill it in the evening. They must take some of the blood and put it on the wood pieces at the sides and top of the door of each house where they will eat it. I want you to imagine with me, let's go to Egypt. I want you to imagine that night in Egypt, the father of that family, he picked that little lamb and he brought that lamb in and then he slit its throat and caught its blood in a bucket, a basin. And God said, I want you to put the blood of the lamb 
on the doorframe over your house as a symbol of the blood of an innocent creature. Now, this seems so strange. Why would God do that? Because God said, the way the lamb is going to defeat the serpent is this. Tonight, I'm going to send my judgment over Egypt. My angel of death is going to pass through the land tonight. But if I see the blood of the lamb on your doorframe, watch this, I will pass over you. Read the prophecy with me. It says, for I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and I will kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and animal. I will punish all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. But watch this. The blood will mark for you the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will what? I will pass over you. Everyone say Passover. This is where we get the Jewish tradition of the Passover. Because when everybody walked through that door, they had to pass through and under the blood of a spotless sacrificial lamb. And because of that, they would be saved. See, this lamb was not just a sacrificial lamb. This is a saving lamb. That night, God struck down the firstborn of Pharaoh on the throne. There was weeping. He struck down the firstborn calf of every cow in the barn. But because the people of God had the blood of a lamb over their head, God passed over them and they were saved. Catch this. The lamb saves lives by laying down its life. Don't miss the point of Passover, friends. Only the blood of the lamb can deliver from death. Amen? From slavery to sin. Salvation does not come from our sacrifice or our good works, the good stuff we do, and maybe the good outweigh the bad. Rather, the prophecy of Passover says that life and freedom come only through the sacrificial death of a loving lamb. God said, when I see its blood, I will pass over you. Hey, you may ask, why is, why is blood so important? Because blood represents life. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. In other words, Good works don't save you. I don't know what you grow up being told. Man-made religion, going to church on Christmas Eve, can't rescue you. Only the blood of the lamb can set free the human soul. Amen? You see, Moses' lamb in prophecy looks forward to Mary's little lamb who would shed his blood on a cruel Roman cross to forgive our sins. Why? Because God had a plan. Mary had a spotless lamb who through his sacrifice became a saving lamb. See, you must understand the lamb of prophecy in the Old Testament if you're going to see the lamb of history in the New Testament. Come back with me to Bethlehem. You remember that question I asked you? Take it out of your pocket. Why was Mary's little lamb born in Bethlehem of all places? Why not the capital of Jerusalem, you know, or, or some other city where the powerful people could see it? Why announce Jesus' birth to shepherds watching their sheep in the field? Can you connect the dot yet? Jesus' birth in Bethlehem was not accidental, friends, and it's very intentional. When we visited Bethlehem this past spring, our group learned that the shepherds in Bethlehem don't raise ordinary lambs. Rather, the fields in Bethlehem is where the shepherds for centuries raised a special class of lamb called a Levitical lamb. They were spotless lambs without a single blemish that they'd raise and feed and then eventually take five miles away to Jerusalem to be slaughtered in the temple during Passover. Now here's where it gets fascinating. 
When those Levitical lambs are born, the shepherds in Bethlehem had a special technique to keep them from getting a spot or a blemish. Lean in. When the lamb was born, to keep it from falling on the ground, from getting cut or injured or dirty or bruised, you know what the shepherds did? They would catch the little newborn lamb, wrap it in swaddling cloths, and lay it in a manger. Sound familiar? Go back to Luke 2.12. What did the angel tell the shepherds? This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby, a human, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Do you see the significance? God had a plan. And Mary had a little lamb, a baby born in Bethlehem, put in a feeding trough. And God said, you're to give him the name Jesus or, or Yeshua. And it means the Lord saves. See, Jesus was God's spotless lamb born to a virgin. Why? So that he didn't have the blemish of sin. He was the son of God, born of a virgin, but watch this, fathered by God. And this is so important. See, in the Bible, the bloodline doesn't come from the mother. It actually comes from the father. That's why Jesus was born to a virgin, but conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary's little lamb, make no mistake, had the rich, royal, red blood of God Almighty flowing through his veins. If you think about the miracle of Christmas, the infinite God of the universe becomes an infant in a barn. Uh, one of my favorite songs is uh, Mary, Did You Know? Do you know that song? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. On Christmas, the great I am became a lamb. And everybody knew it. Well, not everybody. It was John the Baptist who first saw Jesus coming towards him. And do you remember what John said? He pointed at Jesus and he said, Behold, look, the, read it with me, church, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That word, behold, you know what it means? Look at this. Pay attention. Fix your focus and take this in. On Christmas, Mary had a little lamb, but not just any lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, how did the Lamb of God take away the sin of the world? Well, 33 years after his birth, Jesus Christ did go up to Jerusalem for the Passover to celebrate like his forefathers did. And in fact, as Jesus walked through the eastern gate of the city for Passover, at that same moment, those Passover lambs from Bethlehem are coming in to be slaughtered. And just as the temple priests inspected those lambs, looked them over, opened their mouth, their ears, look at them, any defects? And then they slit their throats at that same moment. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is being lifted up and slaughtered and crucified on a cruel Roman cross. And his blood was put on the beams of that cross, making what the Bible calls atonement or payment to God for my sin and your sins. Friends, this is the face of love. That your God loved you so much that he gave his only son, the rich, royal, spotless lamb of God, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. And as that lamb breathed his last on the cross during Passover, Jesus cried, it is finished. To tell us thy, the debt for your sin is now paid in full. So shepherds, you can go home now. Priests, you can go home. 
You don't have to raise any more little lambs in the fields of Bethlehem. Why? As Paul puts it, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Oh, can you catch it, my friends? Can you feel the beating heart of your father's love? From the very beginning of creation, God says, I have a plan. Mary's going to have a little lamb. And by sacrificing his son on that cross, don't miss this. Your father found a way to destroy evil without destroying you. Take a praise break. Give Jesus some praise. It's his birthday. It's Christmas. At Christmas, God the Father sends Jesus the Son on a rescue mission to find his lost and missing children and reunite them to their Father in heaven. Wow. I have to say, as I read the Christmas story, and I see it in our modern world, it reminds me of an amazing news report I read recently. True story about a father in China who went searching for his lost son who was kidnapped when he was two years old. True story. I just thought, I read it, I wept because it so beautifully illustrates the heart of God. The name of the father was Guao Gangtang, and his two-year-old son was playing in front of his house, that's him holding the picture, while the mom made dinner, and suddenly he was snatched, taken, kidnapped by traffickers in China. Well, Mr. Guao and his wife called the police. They were frantic. They fanned out across the region to search for their missing son, but after several months, the trail went cold. And that's when the father did something extraordinary. That father was so heartbroken and lovesick for his son that he quit his job and bought a motorcycle and set out to search across China on his own. He printed out a giant photo of his son, and then he attached two large banners to the back of his bike. And the first banner said in Chinese, Son! Where are you? And the second banner said, Come home. Daddy is looking for you. And he crisscrossed China on that motorbike. Six months, nine months. The first 12 months were grueling. He actually drove clear across China. He stopped at every village and town. He handed out flyers with his son's photo. Have you seen my boy? Have you seen him day after day, week after week, crisscrossing China back and forth through pouring rain, rock slides, winter storms, and after two years, people told him, give up. He's gone. But that father refused to stop searching. According to this news report, he crisscrossed China for, for five years, and then seven years, and then 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, driven mad by his love for his missing child. Son, where are you? Daddy is looking for you. Come home. All told... Guo Gangtang drove 300,000 miles and he wore out 10 motorcycles in 24 years searching for his little boy until finally in July 2021, he found him. The story made global headlines. Did you see it? CNN, BBC, the New York Times. The headline said, parents who never stop searching reunite with son abducted 24 years ago. It was broadcast on television. The mom and the dad just keep the picture up. I want you to see the emotion. Just hugging their son's neck and kissing him and weeping, saying, my son, my son, I finally found you. Apparently he had been abducted by traffickers and sold to a childless couple in another province 24 years earlier. And their little boy was now a young man, 26 years old, and reunited after the police matched their DNA. True story. 
of a father's powerful love for his lost and missing child. Think about the relentlessness. He burned through 10 motorcycles, driving 24 years because his father loved him that much. His father never gave up, never stopped pursuing him, would not rest until he was safely home in his arms. My friends, that is a fraction of how much your father in heaven loves you. When sin separated you from God, he launched an all-out search and rescue mission to find you and bring you home. He sent his son Jesus to this world to find you, and Jesus never stopped searching. He has never stopped pursuing you. In fact, Jesus told a similar story of a sheep that went missing. He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses just one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his neck, his shoulders, and he goes home and he calls his friends and his neighbors together. He says, rejoice with me. I've found my lost sheep. And then Jesus says, I'm just telling you, that's what my father's like. The same way there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, the 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. Friends, that is why Jesus Christ came at Christmas. The father said, Jesus, I am sending you on a rescue mission. I need you to leave your home in heaven and go after them. And all these years, you have been apart from God. Maybe you come once a year on Christmas. You don't even want to come tonight, but your mom's like, you ain't eating dinner unless you come to church. The father's calling out, where have you been? I've been looking for you. Come home, my little lamb. Mark my words, no matter how far you run, no matter how dark your past is, God will never stop searching until you're finally home, safe in the loving arms of Jesus. Oh, I hope, I hope you catch the heart of this. I want to end with this. We've, we've looked at the lamb in prophecy, God's rescue plan in the Old Testament. The lamb in history, God's rescue plan of Jesus in the New Testament. But did you know there is also a lamb of victory in the final testament, the very last book of the Bible, Revelation. It's my favorite book. I'm going through it with devotions right now. Revelation, the final book. Can I read the last chapter to you? Because the apostle John is given a, a glimpse into glory. God actually pulls back the curtain of heaven. So John can see the glorious future that awaits Christians. And do you know what John saw when he peered into heaven? Revelation says, I saw a throne. Everyone say throne. I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The apostle John was caught up to the throne room of heaven. And when he sees the throne, he sees actually sitting in the middle of it a book. A book sealed with seven seals. And this book, understand, is the title deed of the universe. This complaint contains the complete details of the destiny of the whole world. You want to know how the world ends? It includes the destiny of the world. It includes your destiny and my destiny. Wouldn't you want to know what's in this book? But John says there was a problem. No one could open the book. They looked all over. No, no angels, no man, no AI, no demon can open the book. And so John starts crying because he wants to see what's in the book. But then an angel says, John, man up, stop crying. He says, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the what, church? Has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and the seven seals. And this is amazing. 
because the Lion of Judah is a symbol of the promised Messiah. And John's like, woohoo, the Lion of Israel, Jesus Christ has finally won the victory. When he rose from the dead, Jesus finally crushed the snake, defeating Satan, sin, and death, amen? But get ready for this, here comes a twist, don't miss this. You expect John to look up and see a lion, but instead he looks and he sees a lamb. What? Then I saw, John said, a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. And it was now standing between the throne. John's like, the lion won the victory, but I looked and I saw a little lamb as if it had been slaughtered. In other words, Jesus Christ still bears the wounds of his death and his crucifixion. You understand when you get to heaven and kneel before that throne, you're going to see the nail prints on the hands of the lamb. Evidence of the Father's love for you. And John says, Jesus stepped forward and he opened the book. And at that moment, all the angels and people in heaven, they just fall down at Jesus' feet. It says, they wrote a worship song. It says, they, they sang a new song with these words. Read them with me, church. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For Jesus, you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people of every nation. In other words, through the death and resurrection, Jesus, you have bought a whole new family, a multi-ethnic family. It's not just Jews from the Passover. Now it includes Arabs and Africans and Greeks and Italians and Ukrainians and Russians and Koreans and Dominicans and Haitians, every ethnicity under the sun bought by the blood of the Lamb. And all of heaven just explodes into praise at this news. Give a praise, church. John says, I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings of the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus. Church, I want you to read this next verse with me. Nice and loud, like a giant praise song. They cried, Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and, and strength and honor and glory and blessing. All creation surrounds the lamb on the throne, pouring out praise to their redeemer, savior, and Lord. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Give him praise, church, right now on Christmas. Come on. What's going on in heaven right now? Oh, the heart of the universe is a lamb seated on a throne in total victory. The world's out of control, but Jesus Christ is in complete control. He is ruling and reigning over all creation, and he's bringing it to a climactic moment. The lamb has finally crushed the serpent. Turns out Jesus, not Satan, holds your future securely in his hands. Let me tell you, friends, nothing can stop the Father's love and his plan to birth a whole new creation. Do you know what that means? Think about this. Nothing in your life, not your worst sins, not your hidden addictions, not your sickness, not your cancer, not your divorce, not even death itself can defeat you if you've been washed by the blood of the lamb. The lamb in prophecy and the lamb in history is now the lamb in victory. Amen. Give God praise, church. This is where we're going. All of history is headed. Revelation ends, and I'm going to read you. I'm spoiler alert. I'm reading you the last page. It ends with the lamb opening another book called the Lamb's Book of Life. If you want to know who gets into heaven, it says, no, nah, not the self-righteous people, not the impure people, 
says, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. What is the Lamb's book of life? It is God's written record of the millions of people, the names of every person over the centuries and millennia who have trusted Jesus as their Savior and followed him as their Lord. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's Christmas. And so I just want to ask, is your name in here? Is your name written in here? I, I hope it is. And if it's not, it can be today. How, you ask? It's very simple. I, I, I told you this is a simple message. Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was, everyone, white as snow. That little lamb was crucified to pay the debt you owe. And if you'll trust him, his crimson blood will wash your sin and make you white as snow. Can I ask you a question today, church? Are you washed in the blood of Mary's little lamb? Do you know you've had your sins, your guilt, your shame cleansed by the sacrifice of Jesus? Have you received his gift of salvation? Because the Bible promises it's the blood of Christ that saves you. This blood is of great worth. No amount of money can buy it. Christ was given as a lamb without sin and without spot. And let me tell you, friends, he will save you for all eternity if you'll humbly offer him your whole life, your love, and your loyalty this Christmas. Amen? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? All our campuses, online. As your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I wonder what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now. It's Christmas, and today you have heard the story of the Lamb. I want you to just take a moment to reflect on what you've heard. Again, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I need to tell you that one day every one of us will stand before the throne of God and give an account of our lives. And the Lamb's book of life will be opened. And if you're here today and you're not certain your name is written in it, can I just lead you right now in a prayer of salvation? Your heavenly Father loves you. He has been crisscrossing the universe in his frantic search for you, his missing son or daughter. And it's why he sent Jesus to be born on Christmas, so that you could be born again. You could actually leave today knowing with 100% assurance your debt has been paid, your sins have been forgiven, and receive God's free gift of eternal life. Let me be clear, you're not saved through good works, through church attendance, through your parents' faith, through man-made religion, but through faith in Jesus Christ alone. If that's your desire today to make Jesus your Savior and Lord, if you are ready to come home to the Father's love, I want you to just slip up your hand so that I can see it and our pastors can see it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just, just slip your hand right up, right where you are at our campuses so our pastors can see you. God bless you. God bless you. You will never forget this moment. Just raise your hand on Christmas Eve. You can be born again. Anybody else? All right, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer of salvation. You could just say these words out loud after me. In fact, let's just all pray out loud as a family so nobody feels left out. Pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, today I believe you are God's son sent in the flesh to forgive my sin. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Today I receive Christ as my Savior. Jesus, I believe 
Your sacrifice on the cross paid my debt of sin. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead and that you are ruling and reigning forever in heaven. So I give my whole life to you. Be born in my heart today. Fill me with your spirit so I can live for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Can we give praise to God for new believers? Hey, listen, guys, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, Bible says you've been born again into God's forever family. And our church is here to walk alongside of you. I want you to just think about this. You'll always be able to point to Christmas when Jesus was born. Guess what? You were born again and your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God. The Bible says angels are rejoicing in the throne room of heaven. In church, we've got reason to join them. So let's stand together, all our campuses. Let us worship the Lamb. Say, He's worthy. He's worthy. He is worthy. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.